Why are you here? I'm looking for a great warrior. So what kind of warrior have you been? The way of the warrior. He needed a warrior's mind. Clearly this was all planned by warriors of warriors. Now is the time. Hi, this is Chad Allman, and you're listening to the Warrior of Impact podcast. I'm a warrior of fatherhood. All right, and we are live, and you are listening to the Warrior of Impact podcast. I am Michael Rowan, as always, with Shannon Matthews, and today we have uh, a guest who has actually been a longtime friend of mine. I think, uh, I want to say, like, sophomore year of high school, uh, we became friends and, you know, rode together every day to school. Uh, this man is the reason why I have a love for, like, thrash metal uh, and hardcore music, Uh and uh, we've been we've known each other for years, and it's funny about like friendship that lasts that long. Uh, it's the conversations that you can start stop over the course of years, and you don't you know really fall away. Um, and and I think that's just unique to the to the friendships that you develop uh, that are you know in alignment with the right people. And then as you get older and you start coming back in each other's lives, uh, you realize that you know those people were always your people. So it's my ultimate pleasure to introduce my good friend uh, Chad Altman. How's it going, bud? Good man, thanks. Uh, it's it's good to be here. It's good to to see you like flourishing and like you know like you are definitely a warrior, dude. Like I think it's like goes without saying. Like you've been through obstacle after obstacle and obstacle after obstacle, and you know you're you're built like me, dude. Like we yeah. don't let the things that are supposed to break us break us. We use them. We use that rubble as like stepping stones to kind of just like step above and rise above. So it's an honor to be here. You know, it's, uh, it's always good to try to like give back in some sort of way, you know what I mean? And I think that this is, uh, an excellent platform to kind of like explain, like, you know, the stuff that people don't really want to talk about. Let's be real. That's right. Yeah. And I think that uh, I talk a lot about, you know, real change happens behind closed doors, but, mm-hmm. uh, that's also kind of where the messy happens because, <laughs> I think we we tend to uh, even when we're strong and and we are people who uh, go through shit like it it took me like the last couple of years to start actually sharing it and people that have known me like my whole life never realized just how much shit I really have gone through and it's like uh, well I don't want to praise like I don't want to be the guy that praises just the finish line like I you know like I I exercise I I literally just got back from running a five k like. 12 minutes ago, right? Like <laughs> I want to praise the 5:30 in the morning workouts, not the crossing the finish line, right? Yeah. I want to make sure that yeah, we have this level of success and we're doing all these amazing things, but it wasn't always this great. And 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 there are days where it's still not always this great and it's like, you know, life is hard, life is tough, you know, we choose our yeah. hard. Uh but I think the the difference is in the people that really uh go above and beyond are the people that share that in conjunction with the wins you know yeah it's the i I couldn't agree i couldn't agree more with you man like um you know there's there's one thing that comes to mind when you say that is like um you know this 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 word i made a painting like so like let me just go ahead and say like uh i'm you know i'm chad allman i'm a widowed single father right to two beautiful boys ages three and seven I'm an abstract artist. My art, some of my art's behind me right here, but I'm also a private chef, right? And so, but in the in the beauty of the struggle, oh, and I'm also in recovery from heroin addiction. I've been sober almost about two and a half years. I had four and a half years uh, sober prior, but 
like there's beauty in all the breakdown. Like, you know, we can't see that shit when we're in the storm. Cause like all we fucking see is the storm and it's so debilitating. Right. But it's like, when we get a little bit past that, you know, it's like hurricane. Whoa. Like what the hell? And then we get to the center, the eye of the storm. Right. And maybe we're not done with our growth. Right. And we're just in the eye where there's some beauty. We're able to acknowledge the growth that's taken place. And then here we go. Here comes some more storm again. Right. And then we go around and, and the storm's over. So we're like grateful that that's passed, but then there's all this wreckage still, but we're still able to see the beauty because, and I, and I think the one thing that's really, really um, been monumental in the breakdown and the buildup of myself is gratitude. Like um, after my wife passed away, like the, the simplest form of life, like breath, like breath of life, like literally fucking waking up in the morning. Like I had this immense level of gratitude that I could even breathe because she couldn't. And so like that carrying of that and like, you know, let's be real. Like you start to be alive after a little while, you get like further past grief. Like you're, you're further away from that initial loss. Like you start to get back into the flow of life and like gratitude fucking slips away. Like you're not grateful for those little things anymore. And I think that constantly being in a place where you're you have to remind you have to like physically take that struggle and force yourself to remind yourself of the gratitude that 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 you're that you carry absolutely and i I think that you're speaking to one of the things that we talk about a lot uh there's a reason why i call myself a warrior not a survivor right (laughs) like a survivor is in my opinion a uh it's a determination from a past tense kind of like title that you wear like i survived something um you know like i know like the battle wages on like i i had this one victory here but uh you know i think the goal as a warrior is to go through life without having to be armored up and and ready for battle but it's uh you know i often say my favorite quote is you know i'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war right like i seek i seek peace I don't, I don't, I don't don't run towards happiness. I don't like, you know, try to strive to be something I'm not. I seek peace. And in that peace, uh, it's, it's, it's the strength that I know is there that I can go and, you know, do I want to have another heart surgery? No. Can I get through (laughs) one? Yeah. I'm six weeks out from sinus recovery surgery. I, I, I can go through these things a lot, you know, quicker, you know, uh, every, every battle, uh, gets a little bit easier. I found this quote yesterday that I put out. Um, you know, because I am in this training mode right now for, you know, for this world record I'm trying to break. And I found this quote from the Navy SEALs and it's, uh, you know, sweat more in training. So you bleed less in war. (laughs) And I'm like, man, that is so badass. That's so hard, (laughs) but it's true, right? Like when you are prepared, when you are staying grateful, when you are staying humble, when you are staying in your purpose, it allows you to stay in your purpose. You know, like some people literally need, and this is me, like exactly like I need to do everything that I need to do just to stay on track, you know? And it's like, people are like, Oh, you do all these things. I'm like, if I don't, I'm, I'm falling (laughs) off. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, like you do all these amazing things. I'm like, but all those amazing things are me doing the thing without those I'm doing nothing because I'm going to go like lay in bed for a week. Yeah. No, I, yeah. It's crazy too. It's like, you know, the thing that keeps cropping up for me, cause it's, it's a dialogue that I tell myself is like, no matter how further far, like far along in my, my victories I am and who I think I am as a warrior, like 
bro, self-doubt is a motherfucker, right? It's like, I can be like this badass person, right? And it's like, I carry these victories, right? And I, and I, and I, and I carry myself in such a way that others see so much light in me, right? They like, dude, how in the hell do you, like, how in the, how in the hell do you overcome death? Like, how do you go through that and still stand on the other side and still like carry a message? And it's like, oh yeah, that's me. Fuck. I forgot. Like, I forgot that that that's that I'm that dude. And so it's, it's important to have a tribe. It's important to have community. Like, because I have these blind spots, bro. Like I, I forget that Chad Altman is a warrior. Like I forget that Chad Altman is yes, a survivor. Right. But I can't stay in the victim mentality. Right. Cause like I, when I think survivor, I think victim, right. I'm a survivor of like, you know, like, well, let's see the way it's taught to us in dialogue with like, you know, in the world, it's like, oh, I'm a survivor of a sex crime or I, I'm a survivor of domestic violence or I'm a survivor of a, of a, you know, a fire or whatever. It's like, these are all victim mentalities that we have to take in, in these situations and what we're taught through society. But, you know, a big thing that I also carry with me is like, instead of taking the mindset of like, what, why is this happening to me? Like, I take the mindset of like, what is this trying to teach me? Or like, instead of why is this happening to me, it's happening. It's not happening to me. It's happening for me. And if I can get in that space and it's, I say that dude, but it is so hard when you're in the thick of it to insert yourself like into the moment and like create that separation where you can actually see like, this is, and this is going to happen, you know, for me in the long run of things. Yeah. I remember the first time that I worked with somebody. So I started doing a uh, EMDR therapy mm. and, uh, the, the therapist said, um, I want you to thank your body for the pain. I want to thank, I want you to thank the situation for the hardship, like when you're in it. And, uh, like the first time I was like, you're fucking ridiculous. Why would I ever think, you know, like, thank you for this migraine headache. Thank you for this chest pain. Thank you for the heart attack that I'm dealing with. Thank you for the stroke. Um, but you're right. It absolutely is. It's it's a complete fundamental mindset shift that we're not taught. But, you know, dialogue, you know, like we are walking, talking, living proofs of the dialogue that we use, the the projection that we have of ourselves into the universe, to God, to Mother Nature, whatever your deity of choice is. Yeah. Um, you project it. And, and like, so if we say that, then we ought to have to say whatever situation you're in, it's your doing. And that's, that's a bitter pill to swallow, man. That's, that's some, that's some raw accountability that you have to take. And, uh, that was hard for me, but, uh, I went through this like apology tour, you know, <clears throat> like, but first and foremost, it was like apologizing to myself. Now, like I wear, uh, I wear where Shane used to live. I, I, I wear gratitude because like it's man, I had opportunity to even get into a place where I was shameful. Like, you know, like everything comes down to me, like you shouldn't be alive. <laughs> so everything else is just like, you know, you're getting a bonus round, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways. So when you can do that and it's, it's certainly easier said than done. And it is a daily effort. Um, you know, I have three different journals styles that I work through throughout the day. 
And that's a lot. Most people don't do one journal. And I have three different styles of journaling that work on three different aspects of my life. Um, and, and that's like just part of like the secret sauce for me, man. I have to yeah. have the morning routine. I have to work out every day. I have to do three different levels of writing, you know, and that's not in addition to like, like when I create content, I create a ton of content, but that's my diary to the world. Like that's me for me. And then sharing the vulnerability. These are all steps that work for me to be able to stay there. Cause the moment I don't, like you said, man, I'm just like, you know, it's like self-doubt. You're existing. Exactly. You're existing. You're not, you're just, you're just there. You're not, you're not living in that value of purpose. And, and I think that that's beautiful too, is like the discovery is so beautiful too. Like, it's like, uh, like you try something and you're like, yeah, that's not my thing, dude. Like, I'm not really a vibe with that. Like, you know, or, you know, you like me, like I'm big on making lists. Like I get, dude, my, like I beat myself up a lot, dude. Yeah. Like I really get it caught in this mental thing where I like, I'll like to beat myself up. So it's really important for me to remind myself of who I really am. And so getting into that state. So like, I'm big on making lists of things that are like gratitude lists or, or things that I love about myself or, um, you know, living in purpose is such a, a beautiful way to, to really get to that warrior mentality because, and, you know, giving it away, dude, like that's, that's the secret to the sauce for me. Absolutely. It's like, like my pain is not in vain. The minute that I start to share it, if I keep it for myself, it's debilitating, it's crippling, it'll kill me. But if I stand on it and stand firm and broadcast it, there's power. It gives me power in that. Yeah. You release it and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like a lie or the story that we tell ourselves. As soon as like it's there, it starts festering. It starts, you know, it, it latches on. But the moment you release it, man, it's, it's, it literally is that weight lift off. And I just want to shake, I just want to like make clear on one thing when I was saying, like when it comes to like accountability, uh, because this is something that I've dealt with. Accountability is not self condemnation, it is the beginning point of self awareness. Yeah. You know, and because I think that I, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. I'm so hard on myself. But what I've had to do is I've had to like when people say good things about me or when people are like, oh, you do all these amazing things, whatever. I've had to just like start to learn to to listen and believe them. Right. Because people tell <laughs> yeah. you things that you don't know you're capable of because they're outsiders looking in. You're always going to see your capabilities as what you have living proof of. Right. Yeah. Whereas people who are outsiders looking in, they can paint the picture in a way that we don't necessarily look at. And, and oftentimes those are the people that help us get to that next point. That's why, like you were saying, you do need that tribe. You need people that you can bounce ideas off of. You need people that are going to be there with you in the suck. You know, I think one <laughs> of the things that really drew me to coaching was I've been to the pit of despair so many times. Uh, now it's like my greatest honor to go back and pull people out. Like to me, that is like that. If that was the only thing I ever did in my life was like go in and pull a couple of people out, then I've already lived a life that's fulfilling in my opinion, you know, because that's, you know, or, or at least show them the way out or give them the roadmap or give them the blueprint. Um, because I'd be lying to myself if I say I'm never going back there on my own. Right. Like mm -hmm. It's just human nature. Like we're going to have bad days. Yeah. You know, it's setting yourself up so that you have the, you know, the bandwidth to be able to know that it's, it's not a destination or it's not like a, you know, you have to live there. I oftentimes talk about like, 
you know, sit in your suck, like acknowledge your suck, but don't unpack your shit and live there. Like it's okay yeah. to have bad days. Like you're having a bad day means you're human. Like, right. Like, you know, <laughs> you are, you know, to, to expect anything less would be to be, uh, you know, you'd be lying to yourself and, and I'm all about just living in that truth. And so it's, uh, you know, it's part of the process, but yeah, listening to people, what people say. And, you know, when you go through shit, sometimes like people like us and I'm just assuming, you know, it, it's, uh, hard to take a compliment sometimes. Right. Oh my like, God. Dude. You can do all the things right. And you know, you're doing it right. And you might even be yearning for the compliment, but then you can't receive it because you're like, I don't deserve it. Or, yeah. or, or it doesn't really line up. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't speak to my truth. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's a process that, you know, comes with that self-awareness when you've already taken ownership and accountability, there's nothing anybody can throw at you. Be like, yeah, yeah, I was a shithead. I made stupid decisions. I messed up. I fucked up. I'm sorry. I hurt you. After that, there's nothing anybody can come at you with. And then, then you start pure, then you start clean and, and, you know, but it's that forgiveness of self, you know, and, and projecting that out. And man, once you do that, um, you know, I, I started this rule with my daughter. Um, we have excuses or we have reasons. You can't have both. Uh And, uh, I started that with her when she was like six or seven. And and now like she speaks truth to me. Like, this is why it happened. And we just get through it. We own it and we just deal with it. Because what we do is we can like, we can own it from an emotional standpoint and from a logical standpoint and sever the connection of like anger so uh. much quicker. And, uh, and I started doing that with, you know, my clients. Um, and I think that that's like a, it's a growth place. You know, when you're like, what I'm, what's an excuse and what's a reason? What's logical versus emotion? What am I trying to protect myself with? You know, what's the story I'm saying versus the reality? It's all right. We all kind of like stretch the truth a little bit. We always try to make ourselves seem a little bit better, you know, especially in defense of ourselves or defense of others. But how do we narrow the margin? That's all, you know, like once we can narrow that margin or at least be honest from ourselves, and then watch what we project, um, that level of awareness then gets shared. And that's, that's, that's like that stepping stone to making some, some progress, I think. Yeah. Like rewriting the dialogue is super huge, right? Like what are, what have I been telling myself? And like, let's be fucking really real. Like let's super get down and dirty, right? Like what fucking dialogue did my parents give me? Yeah, absolutely. Like what, what stuff did their parents give them? Like, you know, like there's some things that my, my, my parents told me that like, made me believe that that was my fucking truth. And it's, it's so important that we take accountability within ourselves. Like, okay, it's okay that they planted the seed because they were doing the best they could. Let's be real. Right. And maybe they weren't still, but it's our fucking reality to rewrite that. And, and so just like you were just sharing that we don't pass that shit to our children. And then it's a generational curse that just keeps getting passed down generation to generation. We can rewrite that. We can literally rewrite that. And that's such a huge part of my life is to rewrite that stuff for my kids. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that we tend to go on this, um, this cycle, you know, it's, we are born and somebody writes our story initially. And then we have a choice you know, really in life, we get to a point where we either start rewriting our story, which is like that second step, or we're forced to repeat cycles, you know? And I think, and I use the analogy of, uh, of driving down the road and knowing your exit that you have to take, but then 
going past it. You you know that you're going to eventually have to make a U-turn or find a detour. It's no different. Like the story's been told for us. We know that we don't feel this story is our story. We know that we don't feel like the 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 things that are told to us are 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 true, but yet we live it and we go on living it until we are forced. And usually those are those 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 toxic patterns that we see in our lives. And you know, that's one of the things that I see a lot with my coaching clients is, you know, it's it's one of the chief complaints. I want to break the cycle. I want to break a pattern. And it's and it's and it's cyclical, right? It's you know, you go through these things, and then you start feeling a certain way and you start projecting because you 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 start acting the way you did last time because you don't know any better because you're still living in a story that was told for you or that you've adapted. And the only solution, the only solution is for you to rewrite your story. Yeah. And, and, and so many people are so resistant of that because that means they've got to change a lot of things because I say it, it's fucking work. That's why they don't want to do it. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, it comes down to this. The cost of the life you want is the life you live. Yeah. Comfortable, super comfortable. Exactly. People don't want to give up. You know, uh, I was, I was listening to this thing the other day and they were like, uh, if a hundred people grew up in the same environment, the exact same way, and you look 20 years down the road, five of them would be successful. And, and he used that example because he was like, there's only about 5% of people that are willing to pave their own path. You know, because we are in a society of followers following followers. You know, it, there, there's really no, you know, like few and far between do we see f- like true leaders, you know? Yes. Yeah. I'm telling you this, that I heard from somebody who heard it from somebody else. We're playing one big game of operator (laughs) until we die, right? Like, you know, and uh, there's few people out there who are trying to forge their own paths. And a leader doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like you're making millions of dollars. And that's what, that's what society has done. They, they fucked up the idea of like actually setting out on your own because there's like this white picket fence, you know, three and a half kids and a dog. I don't know how you have a half kid, (laughs) but apparently you're supposed to do that. Uh, and, and, and that's what we're told, right? You, you go to school, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, you get, re- you retire and you die. Like American dream. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and, and like, I'm firmly believe in the American dream, but I just don't think it's what they fed us. You know, I think that it really is, you know, I think that's their American dream. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see it as like for the longest time, uh, I w- I was fearful of the fact that I didn't know that there was anything left to pioneer. And until I really like I went on my my walkabout last year and I recognized that sometimes pioneering means going walking somebody else's footsteps and getting as far as they've gotten and then just taking one more step. You know, like and, and to me, that's leadership. That's 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 being a warrior. That's forging a path because uh, I made this uh, this real last night, uh, you know, obviously doing a lot of content and it said, uh you know, if you failed, you've won because you did something that most people didn't do. You started, you tried, yeah. right? And, 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 but we're not taught that, right? Like, you know, we are stuck between somewhere between like winners prevail and everybody gets a ribbon, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like and those are, and, and those are like the, that's the paradigm, you know, yeah. there's nothing about, you know, just, you know, like start, do, go, begin. You know, if everybody had the the gusto to pursue every like big thought that they've had, the world would be a much better place. But Insane. what happens is we put that dream on a shelf because, you know, we exchange that dream for money or time or convenience or, you know, comfort. 
and uh, then we never get around to it. And and then it's the woulda, shoulda, couldas. Uh, you know, I want to be on my deathbed saying I'm glad I did versus I wish I did. Yeah, fear. Yeah. Fear is debilitating. It's crippling. It's scary stuff. But feelings, the, the, the way that we feel, like it's a lot of the times it's not real. It's just a dynamic of what our brain's telling us. And I've noticed that when I step forward into fear, Nine times out of 10, it's not near as bad anywhere to where I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like, it's just, I create this mountain in my brain so much of what I think, bro, fucking single dad, widowed. Like, let me, let me just touch on that. Like my wife died in my hands. Like, and, and I'm, I'm big on telling my story. Like, because like I said, like pain is not in vain. Like I go through something and I, and I speak of it. So like, uh, making a left-hand t- turn at a stop sign. Me and my wife got in an argument, right? I'm making the left-hand turn. She hops out of the car. In the process of her hopping out of the car, she falls out of the view of the car. I put the car in park, literally going like three miles an hour, dude. I run around to the front of the car. She's bleeding out of her eardrums into my hands and like having multiple strokes. And so she would be transported to wake med and later die in neural ICU. And so what happens is like, one, you're losing your person. Two, you're like debilitated. Like you feel like broken on so many levels. And then here you're stuck with ultra responsibility all at the same time. Like now, like you can't even keep yourself together, but now you're having to caretake for two, two more human beings. And like, I never in a fucking million years thought that I had the ability to do that. Yeah. Never. And it, and it started with just one step, dude. Like, that's it. Like one step. And now like looking back, like I'm living that, that, that beauty, that reality, that truth, that power, like, and you know, there's days that I want to rip my hair out, dude. Like there's still the days where it's like, God, these kids, bro. Like if these kids, right. But then it's all tied together. We tie it all together. Like all of this journey is like linking it all together to, to, to write this beauty. Right. It's like, when I, when I get stressed out and the kids are too much and I forget how much I stepped into that fear and became that single parent, like, and they're too much for me. I'm like, okay, wait, gratitude, gratitude. Like I get to be a dad. And like, that's my Instagram handle. Like my personal one is I get to be a father. Like literally that's the name of my Instagram handle for my personal page. Right. It's because I remit, I, I try to carry that with me all the time to remind myself, like I get to be a father. Like that's a, that's a blessing, dude. Like in so many times people get caught up in the monotony of like being parents that like, they forget that like one, it was a choice they made. And two, they get to like, you truly get to. And I, I try to, I try to carry that. Um, that one is big that I try to carry with me on, in that regard. I think we don't ever know exactly how strong we are until we have to be strong for our kids. And um, (laughs) there's been plenty of times I'm a single mom. I have a 21 and a 17 year old. Um, And there were days when they were, when they were young and, you know, my life was different. I was going to school. I was working full time that I just felt like I can't, I can't. And then I, I have to, you know, who's going to take care of the girls? Who's, who's going to feed them? Who's going to take care of them? Who's going to make sure they go to school? Me. So I don't have a choice. I have to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely help give us purpose. And like, honestly, 
full transparency, like the full thing, like I was strung out on heroin when my wife died, full transparency, like in the huge, huge, huge reason I'm even sober is like looking at my son. He was five months old when my wife died and like seeing his face and like this, like, you know, beautiful child completely lit up like searching for guidance and love and nurturing and like to know that one part of that dynamic for him was completely ripped away like i had this moment for thank god i had this moment think whatever i had this moment whatever you want to call it like i'm so grateful that i had this moment that i had to do something different and that initial push and that initial strength that I got was I started doing, I started my, my journey to get sober again for my child. And then it was like for my one smallest child. And then it was like, okay, now both of my children. And now like, now I stay sober for fucking me. But like the initial push was totally because of my kids and that strength that we don't muster. Like you're right. We do it because we, we, we feel like we have to. And well, there's nobody else to do it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's a, like you said, that's a choice you made. That's a responsibility that you took on. And I think when we talk about accountability, when we have children, our, our first accountability is to our children, you know, and you're right. A lot of people, you know, there are times when you think, oh my God, I can't do this. The kids are so, you know, you think of them as a burden, but then you have to flip that. Like you said, and I mean, just being real, you know, there are days when our children feel like a burden, but you have to flip yeah. it and say, what would my life be if I lost them? What would my life be if they were never here? You know, it would be so empty without them. Yeah, 100 percent. And it's uh, and like, I think it's really important too, like as single parents that carry the torch of both roles. Right. I think it's so important that we remember that there's people that are parents that don't do this shit that walk away from responsibility that don't say, okay, I have to do this because there's no one else. They literally give up or like, and they walk away. So it's, it's really important to remind ourselves too, that of how powerful we are and like how much strength that we do. Like, like, even though it like seems like the only choice to us, like there's a lot of people that didn't make the same choice that we did. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I get that. So I got in 2019, a month after having my seventh heart surgery and two months after leaving my well-paying job and starting uh, my, my most recent company or my media company, I got my daughter came to live with me full time. You know, like I literally and it was kind of out of the blue. It was like eight years in the making and it finally just kind of happened because when things happen, they just happen. Um, yeah. And I had to completely change everything. You know, I wound up, you know, I was bartending, driving <laughs> Uber and Lyft, you know, growing this one company, side hustling. You know, I started doing, uh, started selling my art, I, whatever, man. Whatever, you know, I would do whatever it took to get five bucks at that point, you know, because you just do what you got to do, right? And, and you don't recognize it because, like, nobody tells you what it's like to have a parent, be, to be a parent. Nobody tells you what it's like to be a single parent nobody knows what it's like to be a full-time single parent. Like it, it's just like these layers. And then like, you know, and like the world doesn't stop because like you now have this responsibility, like, and, and as much as you want it to like, and, and it's, uh, and, and 
you can't become a victim because you have like, you know, you, you have all but like you have you have 2.5 seconds to feel sorry for yourself. And then you got to get your shit together and go because you got yeah. these little ones looking up at you like, I'm hungry. I want to <laughs> do something. I'm bored. Like, I want to go live my life. Like, you know, um, and you just go right. Like my, I was talking with my daughter right before this and she's like, can I be on your podcast? Like, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, but, but it goes from like, you know, all these waves of like them not knowing what's going on to them being very aware of what's going on in your life. Cause they are, uh, even when you don't think that they are looking, they are always looking and they're always absorbing because much like for better or worse, our parents imprinted things on us. You know, we are now, obviously we are, um, you know, we are people of growth. And so like, you know, we have a little bit more of a determination to break some generational gaps and curses, uh, whether it be wealth or, you know, self-healing or, you know, just like spirituality and our relationship with the world. You know, you know, my goal is to just raise a decent human being, uh, you know, but it doesn't really do me much good if I'm not being one, <laughs> you know, like, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, they are going to be what you are whether you like it or not. So if you're a shitty person, like, you know, like, you're like, oh, you got shitty kids and there are plenty of shitty kids and my daughter's a little shit sometimes. <laughs> you got to look at yourself because you are their main influence. Now, granted, you know, school, TikTok, YouTube, Roblox, Minecraft, whatever shit, you know, <laughs> that's going to have an influence. But at the end of the day, like they're mimicking your behavior. And so as a parent who is just like, feels like sometimes I'm just doing my best, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and I had this really like, I had this like this grounding moment during the pandemic. Uh, we did a lot for people during the pandemic. We started a YouTube channel that really was all about uh, keeping people abreast of like what was going on in small businesses. And, you know, I was doing all these things and I, and I felt like this moment of pride. I was like, I'm doing all these great things. And my daughter, uh, unbeknownst to me, my daughter was feeling super neglected during that time. And my daughter is just like, one of the wisest people and she just has a way of like bringing me down to earth. And she said, you're doing all these things to change the world, but don't forget about the world right here. Mm. You know? and, and I think that that's like, I, I've, yeah, that's a knockout punch right there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've never forgotten that. Like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you can serve other, it's, it's no different, right? Like it's serving from a full cup versus, you know, depleting yourself. And my daughter's part of that full cup, and she has to be. Uh, and, and much like, you know, I'm sure for you, it's like, you know, you've got to make sure that you're, you know, the, the check has to be, are my kids taken care of? Am I taken care of? Can I take care of others? You know? Yeah. And, and, and if somebody wants to judge that, um, they're missing the point. Yeah. You know, it's like my ultimate service. Like, I believe in service to others as our ultimate purpose. It's like our true purpose is serving others. It's the only way to get true fulfillment. Um, yeah. but it starts, you know, we start inward, we start, you know, serving ourselves. We start serving our family, start serving First. our community. Yeah. You know, uh, it does me no good to try to serve somebody on the other side of the world. If the person sitting right next to me is, uh, is in pain. Yeah. And I, I got a few thoughts off of like all that dialogue, like, First was uh, the first that just came off what you said is like, I do live feeds. Like I do like morning, I do videos. You've seen them on Facebook. Like I, I do some, like some motivational talks and stuff. And like, but one thing that I kind of like did, cause I love to surf is like, let's create a ripple, which creates a wave to shed love and light in the rest of the world. Like that's kind of how I finish like most of my like talks on, on Facebook live. 
And like that starts immediately in, inside your home. It has to, cause like, if you're not, if you're not starting that in like, also in my videos, I, I talk a lot about like starting a close within your family dynamic, because, you know, you can't go out and serve your community. If you're treating the people in your home, like shit, like, let's be real. Like, and so the other thing that I was thinking about is like, you said that your daughter came to you and said something. And like my son, like I, like August 31st will be two years completely nicotine free also. So like I quit smoking, quit vaping, all that stuff. And my son came to me and he was like, Hey daddy, like, why do you smoke? Bro, I didn't have a fucking answer for him. I had no excuse. Like, what do I want to say? Oh, I like it. It makes me feel good. Stress reliever. Like, he's not going to understand that. He's going to be like, what's a stress reliever? Like, you know, and I'm like, damn, there's like probably a whole bunch of other stuff I could do besides smoke. So yeah, I quit. And then the last thing that I was like picked up on and really helped me in the conversation was like the hustle, right? Oh my God, dude, like the hustle doesn't stop. And that kind of ties into like the art, the, the abstract artist and like this private chef. And so my wife was an artist and like, so, um, in, in, during the pandemic, like, and after her, she died, like I had this overwhelming vision of a painting. And so like, I just went and like grabbed some art materials and I started like putting this painting together, bro, sold within 24 hours for like 500 fucking dollars. And I was like, wait a minute here. Daddy just had a hustle that he's going to be able to make some money with to feed the kiddos. And I enjoyed it. So I ran with that and I started doing that more. And that's kind of like been a brand of development, but full transparency, dude, it's more of an outlet for me. And I just end up making money off of it, you know, which is great. It's like awesome. You know, it's something I love, but it's also something. And so that's what all my career paths are now. And so my company culinary graffiti, like it started, (laughs) I was working in the restaurant. COVID hit, I got furloughed, laid off, whatever the hell you want to call it. And I'm getting this like check, right? To like sit on my ass. And I'm not the type of fucking dude that likes to sit on his ass. My ADD will not let me. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I'm like, so it started off as like culinary graffiti food for the streets. And like, I set up a website and I do like online ordering, people would put in orders. And the next thing you know, I'm like, out delivering orders for two days, like fulfilling these orders and like making money that way to feed my family. Vaccine is released. Restaurants start opening back up. People aren't wanting to order food in from some random dude anymore. So even though it was like really good food. So, um, I got introduced to somebody that had had my food in the delivery, uh, realm and like was looking for somebody to do a private dining experience for them. And so like, I went and did that. And then it was like, wait a minute, okay, like I kind of really love this, like creating. And and so like that, that hustle turned into what my brand is now private and home. Like I, I do, I specialize in private and home fine dining. And that hustle is like, man, it's so rewarding. And like, you can, you, I know you respect this, like allowing your children or your, your, your daughter to see the beauty of a hustle of like starting from nothing, like bare slate, nothing and building a brand and like watching it become to, to get traction and flourish. It's like teaching something so beautiful that you can't really, you have to show somebody that. And then of, of course, obviously like they have to tap into that source power within themselves to do it, but like showing them through demonstration of like hard work and work ethic, like such a beautiful thing to, sh- to, to be shown. And, and I'm sure like, if you're anything like me, my dad showed me work ethic. My mom showed me work ethic. And those are those are the positive things, the generational stuff that I want to give still that I want to carry with me. Yep. So that I, that's I thought that all those things were really, really, really cool. How like 
the warrior mentality and the warrior story, like they kind of all coincide and have a lot of similarities, like of what a warrior really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's take a little bit of a divergence because I think that one of the things that you can actually add some value to um, yeah. with people that are um, listening is, um, you know, talk a little bit about like your history with, um, you know, with like with drug abuse. Cause I think that that's, yeah. you know, it, it, I've known you, like I said, for, you know, 20 something years. I would never put that as like, you know, like a, this is the person that this, you know, yeah. um, if anything, it's like the person who's gotten through it, which I think is like something to own more than anything. Yeah. But I think, you know, sharing that journey, um, there's a lot of parallels in whether it's, you know, drug abuse or uh, any addiction really of, you know, of any caliber. Cause I think we are all, um, we all have addictive tendencies to just to, to one thing or another, whether it's, you know, toxic relationships or, you know, cigarettes or, you know, hard drugs, whatever that might be. I think, you know, we all have these these levels of us where we take things to a, to the outer limits of extreme. And then it all all the addiction really is, is it it's taking that and letting that control your identity in a lot of ways. So just kind of yeah. take us through your journey. Uh, yeah. Like when you started, got introduced to like, you know, things and then, uh, you know. Yeah. Us- so it, it probably started as like a means of a way to kind of fit in. I mean, you probably remember me in high school, dude. I was like fucking 4'11", 103 pounds soaking wet. And the only reason I know that is because I was a wrestler and I remember how much I had to weigh to wrestle. And so like, I just, I never felt like I belonged or fit in. So I was like trying and like, like clamoring and grasping at any way to kind of like fit into a dynamic to feel a part of. And, you know, like, let's be real high school, what's happening on the weekends, keg parties, people fucking getting rowdy after football games, like whatever. So I looked at this as my opportunity to try to like be a part of, and like, you know, it, it was fun. Like I had so much fun, dude, like raging, going to like keg parties, like people's house parties, people's parents going away for the weekend, going to the beach, like all of these wonderful things. And it started as something that was fun. And then you know, fast forward 16 years old, wisdom teeth getting cut out. And then what do I do? Full transparency, negligence on my part. I go home and rip the bong. Tell me not to suck through a straw, but smart ass Chad here is going to rip the bong. Right. And so literally ripping the bong, blood in my mouth, impacted sutures, right. Negligence on my part. So what do I do? Call that. My mom calls the surgeon. She's like, Hey, like he's freaking in a, he's a wreck. Like he really banged himself up here. Like Okay. So what's the next thing, you know, scribble on a pad, give me some narcotic pain medicine to deal with the pain. And so refill one or script one, go through script one, go through script two, go through script three. Mind you, I'm 16 years old, 103 pounds, taking 10 milligram Percocet three times a day. Like you fast forward through the period. And like, I like the party. So I'm like drinking some beers with it at that point, like negligence, like trying to maximum effect produced, right? Because I like to party and I like to feel good. And so that feeling of euphoria was like enough to put me in this position of like taking it for a period of time that like I started to develop a craving for it. And because it made me feel so good. And like I didn't have to feel like I fit in anymore. Like, you know, and so it took me to this, you know, and and that feeling that it was produced by that medication, like I chased it all the way up to the, you know, and then there was a a period of sobriety here and there, or like, you know, 
three and a half years in prison, bro. That's me. Like went to three and a half years in prison, went multiple jail stints, multiple arrests, like detox facilities, treatment, whatever. But I was never really fully able to accept the fact that I had a problem, right? There was no acceptance, no responsibility taken, right? And so the minute that I was able to admit that there was something wrong and ask for fucking help, like I wanted to solve all my own problems. It's like what you said in the beginning of the podcast here is like, somebody tells you a compliment, it makes you ruffle your feathers and the best you can do. And like, for me still to this day, the best I can do when somebody gives me a compliment is tell them, thank you. Like, because it's so uncomfortable still for me to hear that stuff. And so me accepting help is like, it's not a weakness. Like, Oh, we're, we're, we're weak-minded. Like we're, we're failures when we accept help generational curse passed on to me. Right. You know, because people of like, you know, the forties, the fifties, like my dad's dad, like, you know, you were not a man if you didn't, you know, take the bull by the horns and wrestle life down and get through your stuff. If you asked for help, it was a sign of weakness. So like, ah, that programming was in me for generations. And so I thought asking for help was a sign of weakness and I couldn't ask for help. And then, you know, so I think for men, it's especially hard. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. Um, that, that, that toxic max masculinity that is given to us of like the ability to, to ask or seek help is like a sign of weakness. And I have come to learn it's a sign of strength. And so being, being in this, in this development of phase of acceptance of that, I have a problem B I need to, um, I need to get some help. And so for me, what that looked like is I went to a detox facility because uh, the, the drugs that I were using, I became physically dependent. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I got physically ill if I didn't have them. And so I had to be medically detoxed in a safe way to come off of that stuff. And then, so what happens? Like you remove the problem <laughs> or so you think you remove the substance, but the problem's still there because the problem centers in our brain. Like, you know, like that's where the obsession, the compulsion, the need to do it like happens. And so then I needed to seek some help. So I sought some professional help from some, some outside resources. And I truly believe there's so many different pathways to a, to a, to recovery. You have to find what works for you. And like, just like as in finding yourself as a warrior, you have to figure out what works for you to become your warrior, right? Like journaling, you know, Michael's talked about journaling works for him. Like gratitude lists work for me. Repetition routine works for him. Repetition routine works for me. Like we all have to find what works for us. So I, you know, there's many pathways to recovery. I participate in some 12 step stuff, um, you know, and that works for me, you know, and I, I, I'm a part of that, uh, that community. And that's been really, really uh, monumental in my growth and development and recovery from addiction. And I also don't keep any of this stuff a secret. Like if you go on my Facebook page for, um, for my business, I just recently did a charity event. We raised $17,000 for harm reduction to supply Narcan to people that are at risk for overdose. Um, you know, I, I told my story there and then I, I put it on my social media and like originally, like I was hesitant. I'm like, Oh, well, what if, what if clients see me and see who I am and they don't want to hire me? Well, tough titties, Batman, this is my truth. And I need to stand and be real in my truth because this is who I am. And this is what I've been through. And then 
I get to help more people that way. You know, I can't tell you how many times people have private messaged me on Facebook or on social media, like, Hey, I really appreciate that video you did. Like, you can't, I can't tell you how much that helped me. Or, you know, I know I don't know you, but like, you know, like that video you did has really helped me. I'm going through like a really bad divorce and like, I'm struggling. And like, you know, your message has helped me a lot. Hey, like somebody I know is struggling with addiction. Would you be willing to talk to them about what you've been through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, giving back, volunteering, um, all of that stuff is layers to recovery for me and kind of how like I've overcome that stuff is to realize that that same voice that used to cripple and bewilder me and just demean me and make me feel unworthy and ungood enough. And that same stuff that made me use drugs to feel better, that same stuff that I used to be so ashamed of and so like disgustingly like crippled with like disgusting feelings of self because of that stuff. Now I stand on that stuff. Like, yo, here I am. This is who I was, but I'm not that person. I don't live there anymore. And now it's like power. Like now I give it away. I have to give away these, these gifts. And so like, I kind of live that way and, and I'll tie this in. This is so fucking powerful to me. Like, um, ever since my wife died, then my mantra for living has been impact right? In legacy. And I find it not coincidental that I got invited by Michael to be on a podcast called Warriors of Impact. Like in my mantra, like everywhere, like right behind me, right behind this, this ring light in my, my phone right now is a dry erase board. And the first two words on it are impact and legacy. And I write them on um, around me. Like I have to live that truth. And so I carry my life every day, like no matter, like throw away the chef, throw away the artist, throw away the father. Like all of my existence as a human being now starts with impact and legacy. What am I doing to impact the people around me? And what legacy am I leaving in my wake for the people behind me as what I did? And I want to leave this place better than the way that I found it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, I couldn't have put it better. Um, I think you're, you're speaking right to, to our mission, you know, really, which is, you know, my thing is all about delivering impact in a way that encourages and motivates others to do the same. You know, I want to be part of that ripple effect. You know, I want to, I want to create generational impact, you know, cause if you change one person's life, you know, you're not just changing their life, you know, you're, you're changing the, the, their children's, their children's children, you know, it's uh, and it's not always generational curse. It's, you know, sometimes it's just, it's advancement. Sometimes it's healing. Sometimes it's encouragement. You know, and uh, and the way I looked at it, you know, um, like you were saying about, you know, sharing your stuff from a place of vulnerability. The place that I had to get to was believing, saying this and believing it. If my truth offends somebody, they're not my people anyway. Yeah. And that's hard, though, because we want to be liked. We want to be accepted, especially when you're talking about some heavy shit. You know, you want You want people to, you know, to accept you, like you, know you and trust you. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, full transparency is going to get you there much quicker anyway. I know yeah. for me, it's hard to understand or to get to the point where I still struggle with it uh, about, you know, people liking me being a people pleaser. But I had to get to a point, And like I said, I still struggle with this. But you have to get to a point where someone else's opinion of you doesn't matter. And not only that, if you are being your authentic self and someone doesn't like it, that's okay. Not everyone in the world is meant for you. 
there are 7 billion people in the world. Not every single one of them is going to like you. Sometimes it's because of something that is true to you, like your beliefs or your experiences. And sometimes it's just they're miserable people and they don't like anybody. But you don't have to take the weight of that onto yourself. It's not you can't blame yourself. And so it's really hard, I think, to be authentic and to find the power to show yourself to other people because we're scared of rejection. And so I had to learn that people who are going to reject me for me being my authentic self, they're not my people and that's okay. Yeah. And like, totally like I, I fall prey and victim to, you know, people being on their individual journeys and like, say somebody, um, steers away from from me because they're on their path right like i immediately take that as a reflection of my own self-worth and it's like oh like i'm the bad person i'm not good enough like all because this person might not have chosen to be a part of my life or be my friend or or whatever it is whether it be romantic or or business relationship like then i reflect on well pff, i'm broken like it's it's uh, it, i'm not who i need to be and the beautiful thing is like yeah, like not everybody is going to be your person. And we have to really, we really, it's, it's a practice. Like it's a practice of putting yourself in a position from what can do I, what lesson do I need to learn from that encounter? And every, if we take that approach, like everything that we encounter to the person at the grocery store, to watching the behavior of the homeless man on the side of the road, to the simple interaction with the daycare worker at our, our kid's school or whatever, or elementary, like everything's all, all these are teaching opportunities to allow us to one, determine boundaries, which are really difficult, right? And also to freaking remind us of who we really are and what we're willing to tolerate, what we're willing to accept. And um, yeah, boundaries are tough, dude, like real tough. Cause especially in an evolution process, because like as, as warriors, right? Like we're constantly evolving and finding like what our niche is and what we love and like our truth is expanding and heightening. And it's like the people that we were like, bro, the person I was two years ago, like I'm a completely changed human being. Like I probably, people wouldn't even recognize me probably two years ago, right? Then who I am today in the evolution that's taken place. And so while you're trying to evolve, but yet you're setting these boundaries, like that you, you're not even really sure if like, this is where you are because the person that is here now, isn't the person who was here, like, you know, six months ago. Absolutely. So it's a, uh, there's, there's a lot of beauty in that. And like, Reminding yourself how badass you are is uh is tough. We talk we talk about um setting boundaries is part of learning to love yourself. Um hmm. and saying that it's okay to say no, it's okay to say this is my line and you can't cross it. Um, I know as a recovering people pleaser that it is very hard sometimes to say. No, this is where this is where I stand and I'm not going to move back any further. And I think once we learn to do that, like I said, that's that is a gift of self-love. Yeah, absolutely. Think, uh, and, and that's actually what I was going to say. Boundaries are boundaries are, are, are imperative, um, but it's important that we focus on boundaries from a perspective of boundaries that serve us. You know, it's got to be something that serves us and, and we've got to unapologetically set our boundaries. And then, like you said, you know, boundaries adapt, you know, and, and I'm very vocal about my boundaries. And so just cause I set them before, 
you know, and, and that was like the we, we might have talked in like, you know, three months ago and I said something, you know, like I might have had a change in me or a growth. And now those boundaries, chances are the boundaries are going to get stricter. They're not going to lose it <laughs> up, you know, and it's really about like, you know, I need you to be on that. But then second to that, like and this is something that might seem like easy is like we've also got to work on like respecting other people's boundaries that don't align with and serve our boundaries because that's hard because something that you know some you know something that you know we want out of something and i think you know the first thing that comes to mind for me is like you know dating as a single parent super fucking rough right and then like you know and and if you don't have boundaries from the get-go you you're you're done like it's not going to work because like you're just you're going into it you, you might be able to get away with that and, and probably not even as like a single person with no kids but you got to have that and and to me great boundaries comes from real from like really setting your expectations and i think that the whole notion of like well i don't have any expectations bullshit at the <laughs> end of the day if you look inside you have expectations you've just got to be honest with yourself and then communicate those and be honest with the other person you know, yeah. and, and, and that's in any relationship. That's that's not just in an intimate romantic relationship. It's you know, it's friendships. It's a meeting. You know, if if like like for this, you know, we invited you on the podcast. If we were just like, we'll figure it out. That doesn't work. <laughs> you know, like it's going to be a shit show. Right. So what do yeah. we do? We send you this packet that talks to you about the structure, the types of questions, the flow. And what that's doing is setting the expectation. Then when we get you on before air, what we do is we set boundaries. Hey, what is OK? What's off limits? Things like that, because that right there is growth. That's respecting people's boundaries. We do that in every person's relationship. We need to because, yeah. you know, like I think that, you know, with expectations, like, you know what you want out of a relationship. You're just yeah. too fucking chicken shit to say it. And then you get pissed off. Like, this is the thing that happens, right? We have an expectations of what we want. We don't communicate it. Then we get pissed at the person when they don't meet the expectation that we never fucking voiced. Yeah. And then we resent them. Right. And then we wonder why divorce rates are over 50%. We wonder why we go through these three month cycle relationships. We wonder why people come and go out of our lives, but you're not vocalizing your expectation. If you're clear, it might not be what they want, but that's cool. But eventually you're going to find somebody that that's like, yeah, cool. I can live with that. You know, these are yeah. my expectations. These are my boundaries. What are yours? Yeah. And then, then what happens too is sometimes you meet people who say, Oh, yeah, I'll respect your boundaries. And then when the time comes and they're like, Oh, you were serious? And you're like, Yeah, I was serious. This, this is, this is true. I told you up front. And then they wonder, Well, why didn't it work out between us? And it's like, Because you weren't actively listening. I've gotten really good at cutting a motherfucker off. <laughs> me too, Mike. Like, I'm serious. Like I have no like I love like I, I can cut people off with love. Like, hey, look, you're just not in my path right now. You're not in like, you know, you're not in my journey. Like I am, you know, I've been divorced for 12 years. I've got full cust, you know, like I, my daughter lives with me full time. Like I own two businesses. Like I um my journey is on a journey of growth and change and impact in the world. For me to go out partying every night, that's not my thing. Like, I don't want to, like, I enjoy spending time with my daughter. So if it's not kid friendly, I can't do it. Those kind of things. Uh, it's not cutting somebody off negatively all the time. It's just like, Hey, look, we can't, we can't vibe all the time because that's just not is like, I have a seven week window during the summer where my daughter's at her mom's in Ohio. And, uh, on the surface to be like, Oh, well, come on, man, let's go rage. Like, Now's the time to do the things that I don't get to do. Like, you know, like double down on the work stuff, create some of the new things. So it's like, uh, you know, I am somebody who's, I'm hyper obsessive of my success. 
Like I, I want these things so much that I'm going to be hyper obsessive and I'm okay with that because I know that where I'm going, it requires me to do that. And, and like, you know, if somebody wants to get a, you know, if somebody's happy with their, you know, 40, 50 hour a week job and, and their salary and their life, dude, awesome. Like more yeah. power to you. It's not a dollar sign for me. It's a fulfillment of a purpose. And I know for me to do it, I want to amplify it. I'm working on breaking a world record. I can't break a world record uh, doing something that I've never done if I'm focused on going out and partying and getting laid and, and doing all those things. It's just not an alignment. It just doesn't make sense. Like when, you know, when the right person comes around or like when the right situation comes around, Absolutely. I'll know when it's right to do stuff, but I'm not going to shift everything because that's just me setting boundaries and expectations. I'm going after something seemingly impossible. The way you counter that is with a seemingly impossible work ethic. Right. Yeah. I think, I think for me, and I, I don't know if you guys experience this too, is um, I've dated people who don't have children. Like I said before, my kids are 21 and 17. And so my kids still come first and they'll say, but your daughter's 21. And I'm like, so being a parent doesn't end at 18. Like, like it's not like she turned 18 and now magically she doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I look at it as like being a parent is like, it's like, be it like, I hate to give this analogy because it's like not the same, but like, it's like a life sentence, right? Like, <laughs> You know, like it's a life sentence. Like, it's not like, and let's be real. Like in my brain, I'm like, okay, we get to 18. I'm like, bro, I was going back to my parents after 18, many a times with a little handout for some help. So let's be fucking real. Like 18, isn't the end of the road, bud. Like yeah, yeah. you got them, you got them pretty much forever. So, <laughs> yeah. And me so a lot being an active addiction, I went to my parents way too much for help, you know? Yeah. But it's beautiful to be in, the, it's beautiful to be in like this a position of like, I go to those relationships to give back now, not to take. Yeah. I think it's important no matter what you're, no matter what the, I don't, not necessarily issue, but no matter what it is in your life, whether it's being a single parent, whether it's being an addict, whatever it is to have the right community around you. Um, of course, you want it to be your family, but for some people, it's not. You know, they have to build their own family for whatever reason. Maybe maybe they don't have family. Maybe their family's toxic. And so I think that we, and we've talked about this before, it's so important to have the right people around you and the right support. And again, it's important to have those people around you that you can say, can you help me? <laughs> because we can't do it. No matter how much we want to say, you know, we do it on our own. We really can't. We really need a support system to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Like, let's talk about like the fear of even like stepping out and the vulnerability of like building that community. Like, dude, like trying to meet like-minded individuals and then being, this is, this is my toxic trait. You ready? Like I want to meet like-minded individuals, but yet I will be closed-minded going into it. Like hell, like, like I I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, like, like bro guilty of going to the local single parents meetup and being like, I don't fucking mesh with any of these people. This is not my people and not being open-minded to like spark a conversation to even try. I just get there and I'm like, yep, yeah, Nope. I'm gone. Nope. I'm it's gone. Like, 
It's like you think no one can understand what I'm going through. And yet there's there's martyr. three of us. Yeah, there's three of us right here who understand what each other are going through. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah and we, like we're, we're we, and we realize this and we haven't even invested a lot of time. Like what we've been on this for like an hour now, yeah. and we've like all connected on so many multiple layers of connection, and it only took an hour of time. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that when we are looking for our people, one of the other things that historically I have done, I've gotten much better at this over the years, uh, but I'm coming out with it like this. It's so easy to fall into the traps of codependent relationships and Stop. not ju- not just That's in like uh, intimate relationship, but even with friendships. Cause when you're looking for support and you find it, like, it's hard enough to ask for help, but then when you when you like muster up the courage to do it, you ask for help, and then you you have somebody who becomes like your well of support, and, and and they might be your only person. It's really hard not to continue to tap that well, and like and like then you start getting self judgmental about like you know am I taking advantage and this and that, or then maybe on the flip, like I'm sure we've all had situations where we felt taken advantage of, or we felt like we were stretching a relationship too thin, and you know. There are, you know, I think, you know, from a place of addiction, from a place of healing, from a place of, you know, dealing with a lot of the shit that I've dealt with for my health stuff, like those are all recipes for codependent relationships because there are times where you can't be independent. You you literally need somebody else to do the work for you for a short period of time. The key there is when you are able to, when you muster up the strength, the courage, the the whatever, the gusto. Uh, you have to take the reins and 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 start taking over on yourself and and try to do so without severing the ties of that relationship because I think that those relationships are the ones that need the healing that can become those really strong relationships. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think, too, that we have to recognize the toxic traits in ourselves. I'm one of those women who really likes to try and fix things. So I like to date people who have, you know, an a, a, a issue that has to be fixed. And I had to recognize that in myself and take take uh, accountability for it and say and actively now monitor myself to make sure I'm not doing that and putting myself in that situation. So when you talk about codependent relationships, really the only way to get out of those is to recognize and take and take accountability for yourself to say, this is what I'm looking for. Why am I looking for it? Why does it always turn out to be a toxic relationship? And take responsibility and say, oh, it's toxic because I have toxic behaviors also. And so you have to be accountable to yourself that, you know, it's not always when when the same situation occurs, right? When you're in this cycle, um, it might not only be the other person. It, it might be you too. <laughs> yeah, I found yeah. that the best way to remedy uh, codependent relationships because what really what we're doing is we're seeking in uh, somebody else something that we want to see in ourselves right like it's you know we, we're seeking strength from somebody else to make up for strength that we want to have ourselves so really the only way to rectify uh, codependent relationship is to do the work and to find the things in yourself that you're seeking for in others and and I know that we've talked in great lengths about that process in the past um, but like 
that's why, you know, I, I'm so big on and one of the elements that we talk about for being a warrior is that self-love. And uh, one of the things that I work with my clients on is developing a, a, a level of self-love that I call eternal self-love. You know, it's it's not just liking who you are or accepting who you are. It's, uh, you know, like I don't believe in me versus me, for example. I believe that it's me and me. We're in partnership with our soul our consciousness, and then our physical self. Uh, and when you get to that level, man, whew, th th there's just nothing like it. And and I'm, I'm gracious enough to have gotten there uh, almost a year ago. And, and the last year of my life has been, um, you know, even with all the shit that, that's, you know, like that has gone on, because like I said, things still happen. Uh, it's, it's a different level of grace. And it's not the grace of just like sitting by the side and saying, it's okay. It's, it's okay because you got the tools to get through it, you know? And, and then that just means the relationships that I'm in are that much more stronger because I know that I'm going to the table. What I've had to learn is not having the expectation that other people have already done the work too. Uh, which I, I think for me, one, one thing that helped me change my mindset about self-love was everyone in my life that I love, you know, I love deep. I love hard. They're not perfect. They're imperfect people and I love them anyway. Why can't I love myself knowing that I'm not perfect? I'm imperfect. And so if I can love other people who aren't perfect, then it's okay to love myself knowing that I'm not perfect. Yeah. I, um, I feel like, you know, self-discovery is huge with all of this and, you know, obviously like full transparency, professional help has been a major milestone in allowing me to, to find out these things about myself and where the work really needs to be pointed, whether it be coaching or therapy or, or whatever it is, I've, I've gone down all of those roads individually. And, you know, I, th I think that it's so quick that we're so quick to judge these experiences of codependency or, or like the way that we show up in relationships. But the truth of the matter is like all of these, like, things that we exhibit in relationships originally showed up in a way in our life to help protect us. Like they're like, I was codependent at first in a relationship because it was a means of protecting myself from being harmed. The problem is, is like that dialogue never changed. It never shifted. It just stayed the same through every other relationship. And now I it's used as a, as a, as a skill to get what I need rather than offering that to myself. Like, I think too, the other thing that happens in codependent relationships, I grew up in a very um, abusive household. And so that was my normal. And so in my relationships, I wanted that to be, to be normal because that's what I was used to. That's what I had grown up with. That's what I had seen. And you become comfortable in that chaos. And for me to break that habit was what seemed unnatural to actually go out and try to find a healthy partner, find a healthy relationship, find a healthy lifestyle. All of that was something that I wasn't comfortable with because it wasn't my normal. Healthy feels unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah it's it's that level of uncomfortable for sure. So, um, I do want to just like really quickly, and then we kind of get, you know, into some of the other stuff. Um, obviously, you know, losing, losing a loved one is, is, is like one of the, the seven stressors of life that, that, you know, that we go through. 
Um, and it's one of the things that we never want to have happen early. You know, it's certainly you know, that. Give us a little bit of, uh, you know, some of that, like what your life was like during that. Cause I know that it has to be hard and, and I can never seem to imagine, like I've lost grandparents and, you know, and friends, uh, but not a spouse, not somebody that I was, you know, like having this life with. Um, so give us a little bit of like understanding of like what that was like and how you came back from that. Cause I think that that's, uh, that's a different level of strength right there, man. Yeah. Um, you know, advocating for your pain. Like if I had to, if I had to like really, um, say anything about like what that looked like is like, I needed help immediately. Like, and you know, it was very traumatic. And so PTSD from what I've been told and what I've been taught about it is formed when we don't address trauma after it happens, we stuff. Right. And so I had this traumatic experience with the way that she died. And I explained that already in the podcast. And so I went to this grief counselor and they were like, no, 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 no. You need to wait six months before we address grief because that gives you time to get past it. And then you can really get to it. And I was like, fuck no, (laughs) like (laughs) hell to the fuck. No, I need to talk about this shit right now. Go fuck yourself. And then I went on to the next one and I found a therapist that was willing to talk to me about it. And you know, my child was a part of that dynamic. So we went to family-based treatment and I, dude, I went to therapy two hours, a session, two times a week for eight months straight with me and my son. Right. Cause I did the fucking work. Right. And so the still days like, bro, yesterday or no father's day, Sunday was my wife's birthday. Like you want to talk about the fucking burden of feeling grief on a day that where you're supposed to be celebrating yourself as a father. The only reason you are a father is because of your wife. And then it's her birthday too. Yeah. It felt real fucking heavy, but you know, it's like, you know, that gratitude piece is so big, but also realizing it's okay to not be okay. Like we have this facade in the world where it's like, we think it's so shitty to be like, crying or like like it's like grab the bull by the horns like it's like that toxic masculinity but it's like it's not just there anymore it's like all genders everything it's like nike just do it right like we have to like your way right away like it's all of this stuff that's programmed through branding or whatever that teaches us that like we have to do things a certain way and like you know what sometimes the best thing that you can do is absolutely nothing and just be I was going to say, it's like that saying that we're all told, right, about pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like yeah. no matter what's going on, get over it. You you have the responsibility for going forward with your life. And it's like, wait a second, I need to take a moment and process what's happening right now. Yeah. And like full transparency, one of the biggest things my therapist has taught me is that not to run away because like freaking what do addicts do like addicts run away and escape like we look for escape right because we don't like the way that we feel and so like a big practice for me is like what am i doing to sit in this uncomfortability without looking for external circumstances to validate me or to make me better like so it's like I'm a good doer, right? Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Ah, like, you know, like I can do the hell out of things. Just tell me because I'm like really good at that, right? But what about just being uncomfortable and just, okay, what is the story I'm telling myself right now, right? Because like with grief, it's like, you know, there could be multiple layers to it. Like 
they're the one, the, the one that I would say is the most common is I'm never going to find this feeling that I shared with this person ever again. And what I have found is that's bullshit. Like there's many of people that you can share that connection. Will it be identical? No, but the, it's the feeling, the euphoria of being found by your person. You think you're never going to find that again. And it's so not true. There's so many people out there that you could share that connection with. So it's like, like I've read books upon books about this. And it's like the confirmation bias is the lie that I'm telling myself is I'm never going to find another human being like this. Right. And then, so what happens is I start dating and I keep finding all these shithead people that suck at life and I don't want them in. And I set the boundaries and then it confirms the bias that I'm telling myself, well, yep. Now I'm never going to get anybody. See what I mean? I told you damn bumble. Like, you know, like let's be real, but that's not true. It's just that I'm learning more about me and my person before complimented me so well. And what a gift that is to know that that person was able to occupy that space and teach me so many things about the way that I need to be loved and way people need to show up in my life so I can have a partner that I really thrive with. So, yeah, I think that grief is like, I don't think it's a journey that's going to go away. And I think it's so important that whoever I meet, meet that like, uh, like, you know, and us as single parents, we know this, like, oh, like the person that shows up in the life is the person that's going to hold this space with my kids. Like, well, it's also like the person that shows up in my life needs to always honor and respect the, that love that I shared with her because, you know, I'm never going to shy away from talking about her. I'm never going to stop like sharing her on social media. I'm never going to stop talking about her around my kids. Like her honor, her legacy lives and it's never going to go away. And so like grief is, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's about, creating a power in it. So it's no longer a pain stepping on your pain and standing up from it rather than allowing it to sit and cripple you. So I'm one thing that I always say constantly in my talks that I do. And I go back to often when I talk on, on Facebook is your pain has a voice. I don't, I don't talk about it very often. Um, this is actually the first time I've talked about it on this podcast, but I lost my fiance in 2019. Um, and even now, even now talking about, um, it's hard. Grief doesn't go away, you know, and I started actively dating uh, about a year and four months after he passed away. And, um, even now people will say, oh, you know, at what point am I going to meet your kids? And I'm like, my 17 year old was extremely close to my fiance. I mean, very close. And I'm like, look, I, I don't want to introduce you to, to her specifically until I know more about you, blah, 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 because she's still dealing, you know, she's still in grief counseling and people are like, he wasn't even her real dad. And I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. They had a very close relationship. And so people think, and then I don't know if you run into this when you're dating, but it's like, that was three years ago. Like, when are you going to get over it? Uh, never, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it, it's like, don't tell me how to process and deal with emotions. Like I wouldn't tell you like, Oh, like you're still got seasonal depression. What the fuck's wrong with you? Like, that's so intrusive, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's taught me to to respect other people's boundaries a lot more too, you mm -hmm. know, because you can, ne you never can take back the things that you say to people, man, because like you can hit me in the face, like 
and I'm not going to remember it, you know, three months from now, but if you told me I'm a piece of shit and like, you're glad my wife died, like I'm not going to forget that shit and it's going to sit with me forever. And that's the wound that keeps hurting. And there's like some Buddha, um, there's this Buddha phrase and it's like a man is walking and he gets shot by an arrow and the pain that's inflicted, he continues to whisper to himself in his head. So now he's allowing himself to be shot by the arrow over and over and over and over. And so there's, there's way more depth to, to mental anguish and mental pain than there is any kind of physical realm. Right. And it takes such a long time, I think, to to get over that. And like you said, a lot of times, you know, to get over this voice in your head, professional help is so important because it helps reframe your mindset and it helps to and whether it's working with a coach or whether it's working with an actual therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever works for you. I think it's so important to have someone who can help you on that journey of changing the way that you talk to yourself. Um, the therapist that I really clicked with told me, she said, for a lot of years, people have put bad stuff into you. They put negative stuff, bad stuff into you. Don't think you're going to get all that out in one day. You know, (laughs) one session is not, one session is not going to cure you. Um, it's, it's a process and it's a process to these voices that you've always heard, or like you said, the voice that our parents say to us or the adults in our life when we're young becomes our inner dialogue. And so we have to learn that at a certain point, we have the power to change that. And sometimes you can't come to that conclusion on your own. Sometimes you need professional help to get there. And there's no shame in that. Yeah, no shame. I think that that there's so much power in that. And it's like, you can't expect to be able to even find the lies that you tell yourself on your own. If it's been existing for like, shit, I'm 40 years old. Like, you know, it's, it was existing for so long. Like, obviously it's just a part of who I am, a major part of who I am now it's built into my psyche and my DNA. Like there's all this stuff that exists based on the years of me doing these behaviors. Like in order to rewrite that code and rewrite the lies that I tell myself, like first I have to even identify them. And so sometimes identification is like super important because, you know, they're major blind spots. Like I can't see them. I can't see the way that I shame myself through talking, my chatter in my brain or, you know, comparing myself to others or, you know, thinking that a person like choosing their own path is a direct reflection of my self-worth, like all this stuff. Like I had to learn this stuff through guidance, through a therapist, to be honest with you, like, or else I would have never known it. Yeah, there's a three-headed monster that so many people are walking around with. Grief, fear, and shame. And it's embedded in the lies that we tell ourselves, but it shows up as self-sabotage. It shows mm-hmm. up as toxic behavior. It shows up as the 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 barriers that we allow to show up, not the boundaries that we put in place. And And I think that those are three areas that, you know, if we take a really hard look at ourselves, And if we're honest with ourselves, fear, guilt, and shame are three of the, you know, and and they all have their right place in our lives. They are great protectors. They are great tools that we can use to grow from. They have great reasons. They, you know, when we are, you know, they are the evolution of fight or flight in a lot of ways. But when we are embedded our, when we've embedded our truth in the guilt, fear, and shame mentality, 
then we put ourselves in situations to where we are forcing ourselves to repeat the cycle because oftentimes, you know, it's what I like to call anchor pain. It's the pain that we have in our lives that we know is there, that we know if we work on, it will make everything better, but it's our pain that we know and that we can hold on to and, 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 and it's, it's, it's identified us and the work to undo it would, would far surpass the, the effort that we feel it is to just hold on to it. And, uh, but until we can get to a place where guilt, fear, and shame no longer hold a place in our lives, like peace, love, and happiness do, um, we're going to be, you know, we're setting ourselves up for failure in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's one of those things you can do everything right. But if you're not being honest with yourself and owning your shit like that, and it might not even be owning your shit. It could just be like a, an underlying trauma or an underlying experience that you like manipulated yourself into believing. Um, you know, I think that's why it's so important that through all of this self-help work, you know, because because I really think that there's there's self-growth. And they're self-healing and they're not the same. They really have to be done separately and together, but they really have to have separate focus. That's why I do the things that I do, three different journaling formats. One is for my self-growth, one's for my self-healing, because I have to keep them separated because I can't work on my success in the same breath that I'm trying to work through a past trauma. It just doesn't do any service to me or or either growth or the trauma. It just doesn't work. So when we are kind to ourselves and we're saying, hey, look, I'm aware that these things are present. I'm aware that this is the work that needs to be done. Uh, the the beauty of the journey is once you start, you have a lifetime to, to, to finish it. There's no destination. There really isn't. You know, the destination for me is is like having my ashes spread across all of the the beautiful trails that I get to walk on. Uh, that that's my end goal to be back where I'm starting in a lot of ways. Cause I just believe in that beautiful syncope. But uh, yeah, I think that we oftentimes, you know, self-sabotage as a way to, you know, it, it's a coping mechanism. Like we, we use it like a coping mechanism and we don't recognize the destruction that we're really doing to ourselves and others uh, because we're picking one comfort or one discomfort over another discomfort. Yeah, I'm, it's like, I'm going to destroy this before you ever have a chance to hurt me. Yeah. And, and I think it's also like, you know, doing the work and getting that, that self-healing, right? It's like getting to the things that are really triggered into like, you can, like, we've, we've all dated here, right? So it's like, you know, you get into the, the casual conversations or something and just somebody's simple words, the way that they talk to you can trigger a response in you where you literally like go to this place of defense or, or, you know, punishment to that person. And really they haven't done anything except for just talk to you. And you're like holding them responsible for some shit that you've been through. And so it's super important that we identify. It's super important that we heal. And then it's, it's also important there that like, you know, through the, through that journey there, like we're going to, we're going to encounter people along the way that aren't going to be our person. And, you know, there's, there's got to be mutual levels of love and, and respect and understanding. And like, they're going to, they're going to have to look at you and be like, Hey, like, listen, like I see you for what you are. And I, and I love you just the way that you are. Or they're going to say like, Hey, like, this is not my thing. Like that, not my vibe. And the beautiful thing is, is like, we always talk about that with other people, but we get to do that shit too. Like, hey. Like, and don't, 
And don't fall victim to like lowering that boundary because it dress it up real pretty and make it look all beautiful. And like, well, you know, because basically all we're trying to do is seek that person to be really what we want them to be mm-hmm. and not. And, and, and they never will be. Because we're trying to change them to what our beautiful identity of what we want, what our true desire for a partner, it looks like. That's another thing that's, that's another thing that's really hard is to accept people where they are and say, um, okay, it's hard, right? It's hard to accept rejection, but it's also hard to reject someone else to say, to say, okay, you're, you're here on your journey and I'm here on my journey and we just don't mesh. We're not in alignment. It's really hard to be honest about that with people. Yeah, because you're afraid that you're not going to find it ever again. Right. Or the because you're going to hurt them. Or you're going to hurt their feelings. Point, there's like a connection there, right? Yeah. And then when you have to break the news that you guys have found that you're on a different trajectory, we have to let them down and, and establish the boundary. And then we're like, oh, shit. Like, we get this panic. Like, oh, I'm never going to find this again. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, uh, the reason why you wind up breaking up or ending it is the, uh, like, you know, there, there's something in the beginning that you were like, I'll work through this, you know, maybe <laughs> they'll change. And that's ultimately what like you break up with them, but it's something that like you might've even validated for them, right? Like, oh no, it's not this thing, even though like, you know, like it was, and then like, you've got to be the shithead that like three months later, six months later, two years later is like. I firmly believe if I'm going to break up with somebody, I'm going to give them the real reason just because I'm not like a coward like that. Like, so it's like, (laughs) Hey, remember that thing that I said was not going to be an issue. It's always been an issue. issue. (laughs) It's always been an issue. It's a huge issue. Like I am completely not okay with it. And actually matter of fact, for the past two years, I've been thinking about how big of an issue it is. Exactly. Resentment. And then it's like, you can't, you can't see any more beauty in the person anymore because you suffocated the shit out of the yourself because you yep. lowered your boundary because you thought you could freaking change what you thought for that person. Yep, exactly. Whew. Man, we can go on and on and on and on. Let's, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. let's jump into our hot seat questions because uh, I think now's a good time for that. Uh, these are three questions we ask all of our guests. Again, you know, our goal and mission on this podcast is to really, you know, have the tough conversations bring to light the conversations that people are having behind closed doors, and then ultimately determine what it means to be a warrior. We have our answer through our seven elements and then through like, you know, our stories, but uh, we want to, we want to be able to talk to people and get their, get their scoop. So our first question is how do you define what it means to be a warrior? It's a great question. I think that the, the definition for me is, the definition of a warrior is somebody that shows up every day, regardless of whatever's going on. Like that, that to me is a warrior. Like I don't look at some guy with fucking like, you know, armor on and like, you know, war paint on his face. For me, a warrior is the person that shows up every day, regardless of what's going on. So that to me, that's a warrior. Yeah, and how, uh, how have you demonstrated that definition in your own life? Every day, brother, every day, no matter what, no matter how I'm feeling, like I, I push, dude, I have to, I grind, I push, I hustle. I, you know, like 
I show it for my kids. I show it for my community. I try to do charitable stuff all the time. I try allow my pain to have a voice in, in the things that I do. And in, in the way that I demonstrate, basically the way that I demonstrated through this whole podcast, the way that I talk, like, I don't just talk shit, bro. Like, I don't, I'm not a talker. Like, I want you to see, like, come, come walk my life with me. You'll see that every single bit of the things that I talk, I live it. Like I live it every day. And so that's how I show up as a warrior is like, I don't, my words don't mean anything anymore. Like for, well, for a really long time, my words didn't mean shit to people because I was a liar and like my words fell flat. My parents were like, Oh, you're going to pay us back this money. Right. And like, I'd go get high and just blow the money and then never give it back to them. Right. So like nobody could take my word for anything. Right. So, to so sobriety and the gift of all that gave me the ability to show through a demonstration of my actions, my character. And then what happens then now people can trust me for my word. And so I still show up through action every day and show people who I am. And so uh, what is one piece of advice that you can give somebody to help them live into that definition? You know, I think that the, the asking for help, man, you know, like I think that, that's the biggest one, man, because every single thing that I just shared in this whole podcast, it all started with me being, being willing to admit that I didn't have the answers. I didn't have the answers to navigate grief. I didn't have the answers to navigate being a single father. I didn't have the answers to navigate getting sober. I didn't have any of these answers about like the traumas of my life and being triggered and, and all that stuff. Like I had to ask for help. And then after that shit happens, do the work. Do the, do the tough stuff, man, because it's not easy. But you know what? It's fucking worth it. It's super worth it. My life is so full and enriched today. Like, is it perfect all the time? Hell to the fuck no. I just got out of therapy session before this damn podcast, you know? But you know what? I'm still doing the work. Consistency. You don't just graduate this shit and it's over. Like, you got to keep grinding. You know, and that's why it taps into my version of a warrior because I'm showing up every day and doing the work no matter what, regardless yeah. of how I feel. Yeah, it's doing the work, especially when you don't want to do the work. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and even when the shit's, even when you're doing great, like when my life is thriving and I'm kicking ass, like I'm still going to therapy. Yeah, I don't pull the throttle back just because I'm like no. testing. You know? No, I'm still putting I'm my foot down the on gas. the gas when I'm, I'm going downhill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. So uh, we uh, oftentimes like, you know, have these conversations, you know, we get on the uh, ADD squirrel bandwagon like we did today. Uh, <laughs> and so in preparation for the podcast, I'm sure that, you know, you kind of had some idea of like, you know, things you might want to say. Uh, if there's things that you did not get to talk about or bring up, I like to save some space at the end here. Uh, yeah. If there's like any thoughts that you had or, or thing that you wanted to share, we now's your little no so like that. yeah there was a lot of add squirreling but like i i have i'm very good at like keeping the stuff that i want said in the forefront like because i it's important right like my my voice is important and things i want to talk about are super important to me so like i touched on everything that i really wanted to talk about i think we went deeper in a lot of the things that i didn't think we were going to discuss which is really cool like the relationship stuff the single parent stuff like the you know, the, the self-work, the self-help, all that stuff. Like 
Yeah, I think that we touched on pretty much everything that I could think to talk about. I talked about my business and building it and like um, being the same person everywhere that I go within, you know, the dynamics of my business and um, and also as an individual. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And so where can uh, people find you online and how can people work with you? Um, yeah, so you can find me on Facebook. I'm like Chad Altman, A-U-L-T-M-A-N. It's got a picture of me with a graffiti thing on the back that says rise. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Like I get to be a father is the name of my Instagram handle, but then you can find me like, you know, I have two, two successful businesses. So on, um, on Facebook, it's scene five artistry. And then you can find me on Facebook under culinary graffiti. Um, it's www.scene five, like with the number five artistry.com and then culinary graffiti.com. It has all links to socials and my telephone number and email addresses. If you'd like to get in contact, it also has pictures of portfolios on Instagram of all my work within the dynamic of creating art and then also the creating food. So. Awesome. Well, uh, man, it was awesome. Uh, I'm glad that we caught up in this format too. Like this is uh, just a very uh, awesome way to, uh, you know, to be able to touch base. And, you know, I I love that, you know, having this platform to be able to share some of my amazing friends with the world, uh, you know, have these conversations uh, because these are the conversations that, you know, people like us would typically have behind closed doors, you know, um, and, and we definitely have no shame in bringing to the light, you know, uh, you know, this is not the stuff that we want to just keep at the kitchen tables though, or or at water coolers, you know, uh, the conversations that we're having, I think are the conversations that need to come to the forefront that need to break stigmas that need to, you know, happen to, to better understand each other, if nothing else, for sure. Yeah. Uh, So, I do, I do want to say this last thing that just came to me when you said that about stigma, like I feel that addicts get a bad rap a lot. And I mean, I I do realize that sometimes they further their choices that add to the demise of their character, but you wouldn't treat a guy with cancer like shit that's suffering from a disease. You wouldn't shame him. You wouldn't freaking belittle him. You wouldn't say he's not doing anything to solve his problem. Like you would have compassion and love. And so, you know, Obviously, if you have to set boundaries within the dynamic, my parents did the same thing with me in order to help me like find the bottom of myself, right? But at the same time, just remember that those people are doing everything they can to survive every day. And so I'd like to leave that because I think that a lot of the times like addicts really get thrown into a real shitty spot and get such a a horrible picture painted of themselves. And they're really just doing their best every day to try to survive. People don't understand how hard addiction is. And I, I personally have never been through it, but I've had many, many addicts in my life and recovering addicts are literally the strongest people I know because every day you have to wake up and make a choice not to drink, not to do drugs. And it's an active choice that you have to make every second of every day. It's it. I mean, for me, a recovering addict, like I said, is is the strongest person I can think of. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and knowing you for all these years, like I'm, you know, I'm super proud to to kind of be an observer of your journey, um, and and this all the stuff that you know that I've known. I've learned obviously some more things on this, uh, you know, podcast. Uh, you know, but it's uh, it's amazing how you know people from you know, 20 something years ago in your life, you know, could come back into your life, 
in ways that, you know, you find people on the journey where you're at when you're supposed to, I think, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, that's also the, the positive, beautiful side of social media. Like, you know, we can show support each other's way on a post or, you know, send a message here and there and still have a strong bond, still have a strong friendship. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't always have to make sense to you know, jump on a phone call, get a hangout, you know, like sometimes that's not viable. You know, we've got lives, kids, things like that. And, and friendship as an adult is a whole different ball game. You know, yeah. so, uh, I appreciate you being on sharing your truth, sharing your story. Um, you know, because I think it's, it's something that somebody needs to hear for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, Warriors, it's Michael, and I want to thank you for listening to the Warrior of Impact podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to us on your favorite streaming platforms and leave us a five-star review. For more information, check out warrioropact.com.